and welcome to episode six of the Calder's Calling podcast, AHL News Now's flagship podcast and your premier destination for everything surrounding the American Hockey League. I'm Corey Swartz, and today I am joined by Dina Weinheimer and Xander Manning. Uh, before we kick things off, I uh, just want to remind you guys, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts and also on YouTube. So feel free to like and subscribe so you can get every episode straight into your feed every week when we have the show. Before we get started, uh, I'd like to thank our show sponsor, Document Doctors. While not on the ice, they can help you and your business optimize and increase your revenue and profits to a bigger slice. Check out documentdoctorsllc.com and don't forget to mention that AHL News Now sent you. So we'll quickly pivot here to our quick hits, just like a check along the boards. We're going to go around and give you some of our highlights of the American Hockey League in the week that was. And I believe we'll start with Xander, who's covering the biggest news, possibly the American Hockey League we've had in a very long time. Well, this week we had a coaching change and a coaching change in Hartford of all places, too. Chris Knobloch is now the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers and Steve Smith. Yes, the Steve Smith that led in the 1986 own goal. Unfortunately, that Steve Smith is now the head coach of the Hartford Wolfpack. Great for Steve. Good for Chris for moving up to the NHL. Um, In his time with the Wolfpack, Chris had a record of 119, 90, 18, and 14. Smith played in the NHL himself with Edmonton, Chicago, and Calgary, while Behind the bench, he was an assistant coach under Knobloch since 2021. was also an assistant in the NHL in Buffalo, Carolina, Edmonton, and Calgary. Fun fact for Knobloch as well, this is the second time that he's coaching Connor McDavid, as he also coached him in Erie before he got drafted by the Oilers. Speaking of Hartford, stick taps going out to their head, head equipment manager, Craig Lewis, who celebrated his thousandth game this past Saturday? Taking a trip down towards my neck of the woods in Hershey, we had a milestone alert. Logan Day tallied his 100th professional point on Saturday night on Pierre Dubé's goal. He had, I believe, the primary assist on the goal, but it is his 100th point at the professional level, the American Hockey League level. He did so against his former team, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms en route to a 2-0 Hershey win on this particular evening. And pivoting from the Atlantic Division, we're going to take a quick trip over to the North Division, my home base, and here is this week's North Division quick scouting tip for you. Do not go on the penalty kill against the Syracuse Crunch. Whatever you do, just don't do it. The division leaders in the North let me try that again. I'm so sorry. Oh, you started out so good. <laughs> I know. I know. The North Division leading crunch also lead the league with five shorthanded goals. Also, another quick tip for you. Defend against rookie left winger Maxime Groshev. He has five goals in his last two games, including a hat trick on Tuesday's school day game in Bridgeport against the Islanders and just a little fun uh, thing that happened in that game. There were a couple players that decided to have a fight. I don't remember what led up to it. Definitely one of those uh, kind of hug, huggy type fights, not 
the ones we're kind of used to and the ones that really get the fans going. But while they are hugging it out, should I say, the DJ decided to chime in with Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You, which uh, I don't know. It made me laugh while I was sitting at my desk at work watching that the other day. So kudos to the DJ. I guess when we get to our three stars of the week, uh, that's going to be my honorable mention. Cool day games are a maximum amount of fun. You can't find many other places. But taking a spin over to Chicago, Chicago forward Chris Terry tallied his 700th AHL point. He's only the 26th player in American Hockey League history to reach this milestone. Uh, That happened on Sunday evening, a 5-0 win over the Rockford Ice Hogs, who, speaking of which, both of Chicago's wins this season have come against the Ice Hogs. Their first win was a 5-2 decision way back on October 21st, and the latest was, of course, on Sunday. Rockford's power play went came up empty in eight tries, yet they still lead the league with a 29.7% efe- efficiency rating. Clearly just wasn't their night on Sunday. But the good news is they won't have to worry too much. They play each other 10 more times this season, which is about as much AHL as I think that I've ever heard in my life. So... Uh, look forward to plenty more interesting matchups. Kind of an empty, empty time. I, I was just uh, thinking about this with the Bears as well. They, a lot of teams have started off really hot in the power play, but are now starting to hit those early season struggles you don't always see until you know you kind of get like a month, maybe a little bit more into each season, where you know recalls and other things happen. Obviously, it doesn't affect Chicago, but you know some teams have certainly felt it worse than others. And then just one more quick hit. We're going to take it out west. And honestly, this was hard for me to believe that it took this long. But we finally have every team in the league has won their first road victory. The last one standing and not in a good way were the Colorado Eagles. They won their first road game 5-2 to two against the San Diego Gulls. Eustace on and in saving 28 of 30 shots in the game that is now points in six straight for the club but a month in and just now getting their first road win i don't know that one that hurts a little bit it does it does absolutely but hey points in six straight not too bad not too shabby but moving on here, we're going to move on to our three stars of the week before we get into our regular segments and introduce our special guest. We will segue right into our three stars of the week, and I'll get us started. Guys, I don't normally have – we usually can kind of do some unorthodox three stars, right? I usually like to try to bring some kind of statistical prowess or something really interesting here, but I didn't quite find anything that tickled my fancy in the usual way, so I kind of went off the wall with this one. I have to give my three stars to Garrett Rowe of the Hershey Bears. And again, I promise it won't be Corey's Hershey Bear of the Week on my three stars. It will be somebody else. But this was one I, I I got to see this one, you know, front and center on Sunday. I have to give it to Hershey Bears forward Garrett Rowe because Sunday was the team's hockey fights cancer night. And, you know, although the game was one to forget, I am willing to throw the entire game out the window because of Garrett Rowe. He had this fantastic and touching um you know a little five minute segment they played where he was talking about his mom who you know unfortunately passed away as a result of cancer 
you know, not not too long ago. And the segment was fantastic. And, you know, when they cut back, you kind of realize he's on the ice about to take a face off for his next shift when that segment finished. And it was one of those ones, it was a very powerful segment. I mean, you know, the the lineup for the Bears was great. You had Ivan Miro Shinichenko who scored a goal. You know, he had battled and beaten Hodgkin's lymphoma, you know, another form of cancer prior to turning pro. And, you know, so that, that was a great moment. But for me, it was Garrett Rowe. I loved what he he did. And, you know, it, it took a lot. You know, I would encourage everybody listening to go watch the segment on the Bears Twitter page. And I believe it's on their Facebook and Instagram pages as well. It was just a very touching segment. And, you know, it it's one of those things you you truly don't see the depth that it affects a lot of people to until you hear those stories, right? Like we've all know somebody that's been affected by cancer, you know, families, personal, otherwise, you know, it, it's everybody. And it's not until you see that that you really, you know, get another bit of perspective on it. So I have to give it to Garrett Rowe. He's, his number 65 is a tribute to his mom, whose birthday was June 5th. So 6-5 is his number. So I love that. And he's my star of the week. And, you know, Corey, you bring up a good point about sometimes our three stars have to be a little bit more fun. I mean, this is just kind of, I guess the whole point behind this segment is, it's whatever stood out to us. So I guess sometimes these are our four stars. Whenever Jay's here, unfortunately, he is out sick this week. Jay, hope you get feeling better soon, my friend. But for this, you know, it's not always going to be a player. And for my top star this week, it is not a player. But we are going to go to the Charlotte Checkers. And I'm going to present this video. Uh, if you are on YouTube, Posted by the Charlotte Checkers on X, Twitter, whatever we're calling it today. And I want you to watch head equipment manager Chris Fournier. So just watch this. Clutch with the stick. Here comes the player. And now they're coming in. He just coasts right on in with his brand new stick and score. Now, of course... Look at the players. They turn around, give Fournier all of the fist bumps, all that. It is just a, you know, puts them up five to three in the third. That really helped uh, solidify that win. But just fantastic job managing the equipment, managing the flow of the game. They don't get enough uh, respect, in my opinion. Like, not only that, but that was clutch. They don't get enough credit either. They don't get enough credit for, for sure. everything they do. Even there's some guys who just play without a stick and suck it up, but then there's the ones who know that their equipment manager can step it up for them when they need it the most, and clearly he did that. I always find it fascinating if you get a chance to go to a hockey game, especially pro games, and sit down low, and you'll see them there you know, with their fingers on it. And they're constantly like looking at who's on the ice and you see their fingers adjusted that way. They have a finger on the sticks of whoever is around the puck or has the puck at that time. So that way, if something happens, they immediately just have to close in on it and they can go. It's not look around. Oh, where is Trey Fix Wolanski's stick? I got to find it. You know, they're always ready. And I cannot imagine having that amount of detail for that long, that many nights out of the year. And I guess also I'm going to give a secondary uh, shout out to whoever was running that bench cam and caught that. Just great job all around. 
top star going to the equipment manager out in Charlotte this week. Now for my star, I'm, am going to pick a player. I did pick a player this week. I went with Levi Marilainen. Not just because of his name. Yes, I love his name. I am a sucker for wonderful goalie names. But no, that is not the reason why. He's not a rookie this year, but he might as well be. He's only played seven games in his professional career. And this year, he has not lost in regulation once. He, but he has overtime victories in his last two starts and a combined 64 saves in both. And had an 0.99 save percentage in last week's game where he had 37. And to me, that, that just screams impressive. When he's played three games, his counterpart, Mad Sogard, another great name, mind you, has played eight games. So he might play once a week. But when you play once a week and you still don't lose in regulation and you can take it the distance and make the other team work for it in your second year in the league, that says a lot to me and really shows me how much of an anchor to a team he can be. And the it's not like the North is a easy division. The North is so difficult this season. It's I mean, there's been some where it's been extremely top heavy. This has been a really uh almost anything goes in the North, except if you're Laval. Um, but that's a whole other discussion. But man. For a young goaltender, I'm honestly shocked more people aren't talking about him. I'm shocked not a lot of people are talking about Belleville, period, with their two very good goalies. Maybe it's just this uh, very top-heaviness of the division. I I don't know what it is. And like you mentioned, Laval is usually at the top, and it just hasn't worked out for them this year, but they have a very good goaltender duo in Belleville. They just need to get their – honestly, they just need to get the goal scorers going because what's hurting them is the goal differential, honestly. Mm. I mean, they're still in – it's way too early to be talking about playoffs, but technically they are still in that last playoff spot. Um, they're not that far behind fourth place Cleveland, but in the north right now, literally – you can win or lose one game and go from first to fourth to fifth. You know, it's that tight right now with the top three teams having a six, six, seven. But once Belleville gets their, their goal scores going again, the sky's the limit with, if those goalies can stay performing like that, that is the key thing. And I think this episode should just be called the goalie show. Cause we're going to be talking about goalies a lot in this episode. I mean, Corey, you and I can attest to that with the Atlantic usually being like that, very top-heavy. Oh, absolutely, yes. So you can usually, you know, point your finger at any team and say, hey, they have this goalie, he's really good. They have, you know, every team's backbone is their goaltender. I mean, you know, you look at, you know, almost any team in the Atlantic. I mean, you know, it's been that way for a number of years where so many of the goaltenders in the future, the, the Rangers, the, you know, the Flyers, the the Capitals, you know, all their goaltenders have come through the AHL at different points. You know, we saw Sam Arison's kind of gotten the promotion to Philadelphia for now. Uh, while their situation's a little little hokey here, we saw Hunter Shepard 
you know, play for the Capitals over the weekend. You know, there's so many different examples you can point to. And, you know, that's what makes the AHL so great is that we get to see all these goaltenders kind of, you know, leave their mark in the AHL on their way to greater things. And can we talk real quick? Why in the world has the Bakersfield Condors only played eight games so far? (laughs) I know it's I'm just looking at all. I'm I'm looking at the standings right now and it's like, oh, Colorado has played 14, Abbotsford 13, uh, Rochester 12, Springfield's played 14, and then you have Bakersfield with eight. Just, Wait, and nobody's even come close to them either. It's just eight games. They haven't hit double digits yet, and we're basically a month into the season. I just want to talk to the schedulers. Pacific <laughs> division, man. I tell you what, it's different uh-huh. out there. Very. And here I thought Milwaukee got screwed over by playing four games in the first three weeks. It's going to catch up to him sometime. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be very interesting at the end of the season when they have three or four more games to play and everybody else is done. I'm just going to be curious to watch as this goes forward to see how long they're that far behind everybody else and when do they start to catch up. They, they've got to have a week where they play like five games in four days or something like that. Oh, that's going to be rough. I well, hope they're at home. A bit, a bit of an exaggeration. but. <laughs> Still, that. they kind of do that in the Pacific, though, where you'll have these like really long stretches of like a, a you know numerous games on the road, and then they'll have uh, you know multiples at home type of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if it does catch up in pretty rapid fashion with something like that, too. Honestly, like a Monday, Wednesday, three and three. That, Ooh, that'd be brutal. Like Dina said, anything be... of it's probably going to be brutal if it catches up, you know, fairly instantaneously type of thing. So we'll see. There's got to be somebody that has like a long stretch off, though, in order for that to happen. So it looks like it's really going to start to catch up to them in January. Like their schedule, October, November's light, uh, December's looking a little bit more normal. And then once they get into January, it's uh, starting the 16th, two games off two days, two games off two days, a game off a game, back to back. And then it starts to get like that in mid-February, and then March is just brutal for them. It's, uh, yeah, it's all going to come later in the season, so hopefully uh, it all goes well for them. (laughs) It's, we'll see. (laughs) And if they play well, they may lose some players to not block in Edmonton, but who knows? That's a a whole other discussion. (laughs) Poor Jack Campbell. That's a whole nother discussion. Well, I guess we'll take a little pause here before we move into our segment section that we will share just a little bit more about our sponsor, Document Doctors. Is your business growing beyond the four walls of your office? As businesses grow, so do the challenges of keeping people trained, safe, and supportive. Document Doctors, a proud sponsor of the Calder's Calling podcast and AHL News Now, offers affordable solutions to help optimize your business and keep the good times rolling. They offer content-focused solutions such as training document creation, back office process optimization, 
policy and procedure development, and much more. Support the podcast and AHL News Now by visiting them at Document Doctors LLC. And don't forget to mention us when talking to their team of contentologists. Shop and support small businesses today. And Dina, I will tee you off for your segment here. Um, I believe you're going to be talking about the masked men here this time around. Yes. uh, It's no secret that I have a soft spot for goaltenders. And I could talk about goaltenders all day, every day. But when looking back in the last week, no one stole the show like the goaltenders in the American Hockey League. So, I mean, honestly, goalies are feeling it this season. We've already talked a little bit about uh, how well they've been facing that goaltending duo up in Belleville. But Saturday, if you didn't already hear about this, six goaltenders recorded shutouts on Saturday. So let me run this down here real quick. For the Providence Bruins, Michael DiPietro, 34 saves. Iowa's Jesper Wallstedt, 24 saves. In Utica, Isaac Poulter, 23 saves. For the Abbey Canucks, Arthur Silovs, 20 saves. Toronto's Dennis Hiddleby. If you watched last week's episode, you know that I shouted him out there, but 23 saves. And this stat coming to us courtesy of at Mark UK Leaf on X Twitter. Uh, that was the second shutout in as many games for the young goaltender out of Toronto. The last Marley's goalie to post consecutive shutouts was Garrett Sparks back in the 2017-2018 season. And then finally, for Hershey, Clay Stevenson, 24 saves. Now, again, all those happened at some point on Saturday. I can't find any AHL records regarding this, but if this were the NHL, and I looked over many sources, um, so I hope this is right, but it would supposedly tie the record for the most shutouts in a single day. This happened twice in the National Hockey League on March 21st, 2001, and February 28th, 1929, included in that 2001 group were Arturs Urbe, Martin Brodeur, Hall of Famer, and Ed Belfour, also, I believe, a Hall of Famers. So uh, I'm shocked that the American Hockey League doesn't keep a stat like that. I poured over their record book uh, last night and today. Couldn't find anything close to it, but it has to be some sort of record, I, I imagine. So good job, goaltenders. Keep up the great work, the great saves, and it's a great, great week to be a goalie in the AHL. Definitely one thing that blows my mind about that is pretty much all of them are at least pushing the starter button on their teams. But Michael DiPietro was not projected to be a starter this year for Providence. Providence was looking at the, at their team and saying, all right, Brandon Bussey is going to be our starter this year. And Michael DiPietro is lucky to be on the roster, if not in the ECHL. But what does he do? He comes out and pitches a shutout this weekend. Proved all of us wrong. And honestly, that's what coaches want. They want you to make them make those hard decisions in terms of, well, you weren't slated to stay on our roster. Make us make a spot for you. And so it's the best of both worlds. Especially with Ryan Mujinal in Providence. He loves those guys that push you to the point of saying, all right, fine. We'll let you start the next game. Or, okay, 
I guess I was wrong about you, kid. I mean, and not only that, I saw so many games over the past week too that the goalies were vying for a shutout, but in the last few minutes, you know, that one goal sneaks in, or I know, um, I forget if it was Jack Rees or Pavel Chion up in Cleveland had a game in Belleville, and I believe it was the Belleville game, and they got so close, and then Belleville mounted this huge comeback and almost took the game. <laughs> it's like, oh, we go from almost a shutout to uh, everything collapsing in on itself. So, yeah, well, that's just Cleveland hockey. That's another discussion. Um, but, yeah. Goaltenders all over the all over the league doing the thing. That's a lot of bagels and a lot of goose eggs. So it's all that's all the terms we love to use in hockey. And you know, we can only hope that nobody got jinxed along the process to allow those goals. You know, like you said, when it happens in there, it always feels like it's a commentator's curse where you start to think about it, you start to maybe mention it. And speaking of commentators, that segues perfectly into my segment where we introduce our special guest, Zach Fish. Our guest today is in the midst of his eighth season behind the microphone is the voice of the Hershey Bears. He won the 2021 Ken McKenzie Award given to the AHL executive who most successfully promotes their team and called the Bears' 2023 Calder Cup win. Please give a warm welcome to Zach Fish. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. A good introduction, Corey. Well done. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, Zach. Really appreciate it. Hey, it's uh, awesome to be back on the show. Thank you for having me again. The Bears are off to a good start, and uh, it will never get old here in 2023 Calder Cup champions. We had a real special group that I felt you know blessed to be the soundtrack of, of the moments that they had together. So memories that will last a lifetime. So cool to come on the show after everything that's transpired in the last uh, half calendar year here, and, and uh, looking forward to chatting with you guys. I guess let's let's kind of start off with um, how you started doing play by play because I'm always so interested in how people who like people people get involved in jobs that with hockey that are not. I mean, you know what? I'm going to start that again. Sorry, Dina. <laughs> no, no problem. Um, Go ahead. Three, two, one. I guess let's kind of start off with how you got involved doing play by play because I'm always so interested to know how people get their start doing something for this sport that's not like the typical job that's not, you know, playing or coaching or GMing. So like, how did you, how did you get started in play by play? When did you realize that that was something that you kind of wanted to do as a career? Yeah, pretty early uh, for me, probably when everyone else hit their growth spurt at 10, 11, 12 years old, and I didn't, and uh, everyone else got good at hockey, and I stayed about the same and realized that playing in the NHL wasn't going to be a dream for me that was going to be achieved, but I want to be around the game. I like to talk, and for whatever reason, the broadcasting always appealed to me. So as a kid, I'd you know turn down the volume on NHL 98, 99, 2000, whatever it was, and, and call the game to a tape recorder or turn down my TV and do the same, so. Um, I was lucky enough uh, when I was in high school to go to a high school that was in my district, but different from the one uh, geographically that I was supposed to go to because they had these things called 21st century programs at my schools. And so I went to the Northwest High School where they had an e-communications program and we got to do our own broadcast television show there where we had a sports report weekly and would film the game on the sidelines with, you know, some of the first HD cameras out there and was really lucky to be involved in that. Uh, but I always wanted to do play by play and I always 
want to do something for hockey. And I grew up in Kansas City, and uh, while there is an ECHL team there now, really wasn't much hockey there at the time as far as the pro ranks and especially for colleges. So I wound up going to St. Cloud State University, um, which is where it really all started on my play-by-play journey. I knew they had a D1 hockey team. I knew they had a television station that broadcast all the games and a radio station that broadcast all the games. So I was able to go in as a freshman, 18 years old, get my hands dirty and by a couple weeks into that year, I was the women's hockey play-by-play broadcaster for Division One women's hockey team, and that was amazing. And then opportunities started to come about with our men's team on a fill-in basis, and by my sophomore year, I was one of the full-time men's broadcasters for radio as well. Did that for four years there. One year, I was the TV broadcaster for their feed that went out to the Twin Cities even. Um, so got my hands real dirty and got great experience. Called hockey for a junior hockey team there, the Granite City Lumberjacks, um, Fox Sports Prep zone hired me to do some uh, high school hockey for their online streams so i got really lucky to get all these awesome opportunities and do some baseball as well um and then i knew i wanted to get into the play-by-play as a career my degree was in television production i learned all the behind the scenes the camera behind the scenes of a tv production truck but i knew i wanted to do the play-by-play the first time i hopped on the mic so i was lucky to do four years of great division one hockey um and then that led me to the ushl to start my career in dubuque which of course uh through many turns wound up in her but always knew I wanted to do it. But uh, once I realized I wasn't going to play, I-, I wanted to figure out something else to be around the game. So the gift of gab did me well in that regard. Um, and luckily, you know, I found a place in St. Cloud that, you know, uh, timing was perfect. They needed somebody to do games, and I was able to get four great years of experience to build an awesome demo tape uh, and ultimately get in the industry. Some people are just meant for their jobs. And I always think it's so fascinating when whenever you see that progression from I have an interest in it so let me just play around with it to now you are a true professional in that it's it's yeah, just pretty it's, cool it's unique it really is and sometimes I pinch myself thinking you know I'm going to the game calling a calling a game for a living and uh you know it's such a dream as a kid so much else with my job that I do in, in my role as manager of media relations and broadcasting. But the best part, certainly I love you know everything that I do, but the best part certainly is pulling on that headset and those three hours that the game lasts and, and getting to provide those calls. So to be able to do that and, uh, and dream it and achieve it and, you know, do some games at the NHL level and then be in a market like Hershey, you know, I, I consider myself pretty lucky every day when I go to the rink as a job. So following, you know, a Calder cup winning season and of course there's, the inevitable roster turnovers between graduates. You know, we saw uh, Lucas Johansson graduate up to the NHL. And then those who have moved to to other teams, you know, we saw a goalie go overseas. There have been other skaters that have gone overseas as as well. Um, How is the vibe around the team with that turnover and the new faces coming in? And have you noticed anything different about the team since last season? Yeah, it's definitely a a different group, right? But in a good way, uh, we did lose a lot of pieces, like you mentioned. Um, We have the core back. Our our captains are all back. Hunter Shepard, our Calder Cup MVP, is back. So that's a real good place to build. But a lot of players that played huge roles departed. Um, A lot of them to make the National Hockey League, which is awesome. A few of them to explore opportunities overseas. And everybody's playing really well that that left the team elsewhere. Um, And we've been following from afar. But they reloaded. Uh, The Washington Capitals did an awesome job with Brian Helmer of the Hershey Bears 
Bears reloading and bringing in some players that on paper maybe even make us arguably a more potent team than we were last year. And that's hard to argue with the Calder Cup championship team and saying this year's team is more potent, but there is more offensive firepower on paper and we've seen glimpses of it. So one thing that I thought was pretty indicative um, of the culture that we have here that Todd Nelson preaches, as I was talking to Chase Prisky, who's off to a good start with us this year, originally drafted by the Caps, didn't sign for a better opportunity. The Caps were loaded with D at the time, winds up full circle back in the Caps organization. And he just the other day, we, we were at a Hershey Cubs junior game making an appearance and he couldn't speak enough about the culture in the locker room and how there's no click and how the guys that won a championship, he was worried. And as were the new guys worried coming in, there would be the championship team here and then the new guys there. And they've really ingrained and integrated all as one. And Todd Nelson and I were talking to, today and he thinks that on a chemistry side this year's team is ahead of where this last year's team was at this time of building that chemistry together so all those are really good signs you have to be pulling on the same rope uh, to win a calder cup you need a lot of um, breaks to go your way we certainly got a lot last year we earned a lot of those but um, on the flip side it really seems to be an awesome start to that chemistry that rebuilding the team and you know, some of these guys have come in and, and are already putting up big points and fit in seamlessly on the score sheet and, and it's going that way in the locker room behind the scenes too so the Bears are off to a pretty good start so far this season. If the memory serves me, um, it's the best since the 2008-2009 season, which is a really great one to compare to, considering that was also a Calder Cup championship. Um, you know, but it's not been without its challenges. You know, it's been there's been you know a few different ups and downs for the team here so far. Um, you know, kind of piggybacking off that last question, how do you see this team? differently from last season obviously the chemistry is there but you know there's already been kind of a resilience factor we've seen yeah i think this year's team is uh finding out pretty quickly what it takes to be a champion what it takes to win and what todd nelson expects um you know they're eight and three uh, at the time of this recording and maybe not playing up to their potential yet and that's the a scary thought because they're going to be good and they're going to be even better than they were. But the coaching staff, I mean, Todd Nelson's quote, you heard it, Corey. I saw you wrote about it. Um, in one of your articles, you know, it was that the, analytics were so bad I wanted to puke after a 2-1 loss where they lost this half of a second left in Wilkesbury. Um, it was a couple games in a row that he was so frustrated with the way the team played in the process in a game they won in overtime at home and a game that they lost and missed out on getting at least a point by half a second. So that's the standard of excellence here. These guys are learning that. Now how they differ, there's more firepower for this team. We don't necessarily have to win games from Hunter Shepard standing on his head winning games 2-1. to one. We do have the ability to score a few more goals. There's some things we need to do and tighten up defensively, but Pierre Dubé can put the puck in the net. Alex Limoges was a 54-point uh, scorer last year in, in Manitoba, and no disrespect to Garrett Pilon or, or Mason Morelli or Sam Annis or any of the guys that he replaced, but they weren't putting up those numbers in their time in Hershey. Um, so we're seeing some of the players that have come in be key offensive contributors and a little bit more firepower. Now that depth's going to be tested early. Like you mentioned, the Capitals are an older team. They've had some injuries. They've had some guys move on. The Bears center depth went from stacked and not able to get everybody in the lineup with some call-ups in the last bit, uh, now suddenly to a bit depleted. So that's going to be a test. We saw the depth, the hallmark of the team's success last year, but I do think there's a little more firepower and there's also a learning curve for some of these new guys about what's expected, what's expected here in Hershey. We see them getting by maybe on their talent and their abilities and, and they're going to integrate right in the system and really learn what it takes to to be ready for that playoff tested battle that Todd Nelson expects from his team. So you've already mentioned 
quite a few names and this team has seen quite a few opponents, some that they haven't seen in a while, but have there been any surprises for you personally so far, either on this Bears roster or in their competition that they faced? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if we start with the Bears, obviously, because that's my bread and butter, I, I really think that from this side of the roster, I've been super impressed uh, with a handful of guys that brought to the table that maybe didn't quite expect. But one that we had last year um, briefly, and now we're seeing him bring a little bit more, is Bogdan Trinyev, who's a forward out of Russia, fourth round draft pick. He played a couple games last season, but... Uh, he's trying to make sure to solidify a spot in the lineup right now. There's so many bodies. They're trying to get everybody in. And sometimes he's not going to play every day, but we started to see flashes of what's going to make him a national hockey league player. He's big. Uh, he moves well. He can put the puck in the net. He can kill penalties. He can play the power play. So he's been kind of the biggest surprise for me that we didn't quite know what we had that you're seeing. All right, this guy could play games in the National Hockey League. We see why he was drafted, where he was drafted, why they're so high on him. And, you know, let's see where he is in a year or even by year end or even in two months from now. So that's been definitely a, a big surprise and a positive direction for me. I will say Wilkes-Barre is a much improved club. Um, they haven't been nearly as good as they were in my first couple of years in the league. These last few, I expect them to be playoff contenders again they do have too many veterans uh they solved one of the problems earlier this week with andreas jansen being his contract getting mutually terminated but you know too many veterans for them certainly i'm sure is it easy to deal with for jd forest but they certainly look like a, a much improved club and you know meanwhile on the flip side uh the bears being able to win a couple games in providence i don't want to say it's the turning of the tides the providence bruins are still and always a tough competitor but it's nice to see the bears kind of break that jinx where they they hadn't been able to win if at all, ever uh, in Providence in my tenure here with the organization over these last eight years. So there's been a few of the things going into Providence and getting four points is huge. Um, you know, Wilkes-Barre going to be a real tough test for the remaining games in the season series. Still nine of them left, uh, a lot to go. And then, uh, you know, Bogdan's really been a, a young guy that stood out that maybe we didn't know quite what we had there uh, that's starting to come and be a well-rounded player when it's all said and done. I'm so sorry. I know it, it is my question next. I am I am dropping the ball all over the place here. Uh, obviously, I think we all know the sweeter by the dozen call that went across the internet after the the Hershey Bears won uh, this this summer. Do you have like a favorite moment or a goal call or anything that like just you think about all of the time? Because I feel like there's a lot of calls out there that you know you you just instantly get transported to that moment. So like, do you have a favorite goal call that you've done or is it is sweeter by the dozen just unbeatable? Well, I think that play is probably unbeatable, but I'll say what rivals it is Garrett Pilon winning the game in game five, not necessarily for the call, but game five of the finals, how loud the giant center was, how electric that building was, what that game meant for our chances of winning the cup and what it meant to our fan base. I think will resonate with Bears fans for a long, long time. And I've come in here and heard about, you know, Eric Fair in 2006 and the, what that meant to the Bears fan base and winning back to back in 2009 and 10 and some of those really memorable moments. But we now have a new one for the young fans that didn't experience those and for the fans that did as kids, maybe they're now a little bit older, not looking at you, Corey, but, um, you know, they, they have a moment now and that they can share with their family and new family members. So 
that game was so monumental. And honestly, it's not necessarily even my call on it. I love what was said between Todd Sadowski from Fox 43 and myself after, you know, some of the things like the California dreaming of a Calder cup. And they hope Monday is a date with destiny and Palm desert. And I told John Walton, who's a wonderful human, great person, great broadcaster who was there for the whole run, the former voice of the bears. Now the voice of the capitals. I said, Hey, we're not going to win the cup at home. We know that. But if at some point tonight in game five with as loud as it's going to be, I can use your line that you used when they won in 2010. Can, you know, can I use it? Can I kind of pay homage to, to that call of, you know, the decibel level so loud, it seems as if the roof may come off or I don't think I got it exactly right, but close enough. And I got to use that too. So that was, that was pretty cool. That one sticks out. Um, personally, um, another one that will always stick out that's non bears related is, um, you know, getting to call, uh, some Alex Ovechkin goals in the National Hockey League, getting to call an overtime winner, uh, Alex Ovechkin scoring one um, in D.C. during the pandemic against Boston, uh, and then uh, Dmitry Orlov scoring an overtime winner in Pittsburgh to beat the Penguins. Like I grew up, Crosby Ovechkin, that rivalry to get to call a Crosby Ovechkin game, and the, the, the Capitals won in Pittsburgh and silence that building was awesome. So that's a few on the higher level with the Bears. Uh, they really all come from this run. Had a few special ones, you know, Brian Pinnell winning uh, playoff series in overtime uh, w- was really special as well in 2019, but you know, nothing that really rivals this run. So um, the sweeter by the dozen thing is something I knew I always wanted to say. I didn't know how it was going to come out and I was a little excited and my voice was all over the place in the first part because I was just so elated, but uh, I'm glad it came together. I'm glad it resonated with our fan base and people. And, um, you know, ultimately those are, those are all ones that I just feel really fortunate that I was able to do and be able to be a part of pretty cool to have it on the wall of the uh of the rink in in hershey as well i imagine yeah that was unexpected i didn't know they were doing that i knew they were making some changes to the building which was really exciting to kind of brand it for the championship uh caliber hockey club that that we want our fans to know that we are and um when that went up it was like wow that's that's pretty neat so to see it on that um to see some of the stuff i said on a t-shirt like all those are are pinch you type of moments you don't want to get a big head or a big ego uh by any means i just i talk for a living i'm lucky to get to do that but to to have that there and you know by no means was it necessarily world's most original thing, but I think it fit and I think it resonated that certainly, you know, I walk by to go to my office every day and I, I don't think it'll get old and I don't think I'll ever take for granted that, um, you know, I got to be part of something like that because the way we won was so emotionally exhausting and thrilling all at once. Um, you know, it's gotta be one of the best, if not the best Calder cup finals ever in this league's history. How's Zach talking about broadcasting a little bit here. Do you have any sort of superstitions that kind of you do before games? And if so, what's the weirdest one? I prepare pretty similar for what I do with, um, you know, my kind of stat sheet and board that I come up with. And there's a certain part of it I like to do a little bit later in the day, closer to the broadcast. You always want to prepare ahead. You don't want to be scramble on the day of the game. But I find like writing those notes in the same time, the same pattern, the same rhythm, um, get my mind ready to go. We, uh, you know, I'm a little superstitious at times that sometimes you think, hey, we, that, um, we're undefeated with this tie, so I'm going to wear this tie again. I will say 
Game five, we won. I wore a shirt that I had worn a couple times in the playoffs and a tie, and I was going to wear it for game six in Coachella Valley, and I thought, ah, I wore that in game five. We're on TV. Someone might be like, didn't he just wear that? You know, forget, the, forget that. I have no impact on the game. Then we lost game six. So you know what I was in in game seven, um, back to what we were in game five, the same shirt and tie combo. Uh, so a few superstitions uh, in there for sure. Um, I definitely – like to kind of be a creature of habit and go about things the the same type of way, but we try to mix up the mojo. I'll say Mitch Lammer, my partner on the radio is very superstitious. He will uh, change my color pen today. I wore a different shirt. I move my papers in a different order. If the bears are on a losing streak, he will do anything to try to switch up the mojo. So um, we, we, he's a former player. So we got a fair, fair bit of that in the broadcast booth sometimes with him up there. I'm sure the guys in the room appreciated your dedication in game seven to wearing that, uh, that shirt and tie again, whatever it takes. Right. And, and the biggest yep, thing I'll exactly. say is like, it, it's been kind of documented that game six, the team was really tight and everyone was uptight because they just wanted to win so bad in game seven, everybody was loose. It was true for us. I did sway from my routine from game seven um, because on a road game, it's very different from home. They're not even comparable, but I wanted to cherish that moment that this was the last chance this team was together and we were all so relaxed. So I got to the rink. I normally go on the second bus over. I don't need to get there as early um, as the coaches do. I normally go on the second bus over. I went on the first and I just sat there with our equipment managers in the hallway and we were rocking the music. And some of it was like inspirational Rocky themed music and, Oh, I just didn't seeing the guys come in and fist bumping them and wishing them luck and realizing that this was the last time that team would all be together. I was at peace with whatever happened. And that's one time that, you know, maybe a little risky swaying from it, but uh, I think it made everybody so loose that the moment wasn't bigger than us. And, um, you know, I didn't have any part of the puck going in the net by Mike Vecchioni and making it happen, but to see the, the attitude of the team and how loose everybody was and how much they wanted to win together, made me pretty confident that we could do it even when we we're down to nothing. So it was cool to see, see it come to, fruition now going off of broadcasting what is the favorite your favorite game that you've ever broadcasted whether it's just who the person is or just a fun name oh that's a good one um there's a goaltender by the name of alex sacralopolis or something along those lines he's made the rounds um because he's been called up to the american league as a uh third stringer goalie from the ECHL and he was in the ECHL for a little bit, but his last name, I think in Chicago, the United States hockey league was so long that they actually just shortened it, took a few letters off um, and kind of took out some of the letters in the middle and said, good enough. So that was one that was always a tongue twister for sure. Um, that w- was tough. And I don't think I ever got it 110% right. And his equipment managers could never get it right. And it was always kind of like, haha, look at this guy with his, his long last name. Um, uh, we just had the referee Bobby Joe love the other day for the first time. That's the first time we had him, uh, at a game. And I think that's an absolutely awesome name for, uh, anyone in hockey, uh, official as well. So that one certainly, uh, w- would be up there as well. I remember, uh, a hockey player on one of the women's hockey teams that we went against. Uh, her last name was Thunder. I think her name was Paige Thunder, and she was a goalie. And um, there were all sorts of fun analogies about, you know, Thunder and Lightning, how she was shutting opponents down and stuff like that. So um, really cool uh, name there on that one. But uh, I would say uh, Alex Sakharopoulos, I still can't even get it right all these years later, was one of the more fun slash tough names because of how many letters were in it. 
Zach, I have to gush just a little bit here because you mentioned Garrett Pilon's goal, and I I had to bring this up because I I got to skate on the Giant Center ice over the weekend with a group of guys, and that was one of the things we were shooting around and warming up, and I had to take the puck and circle it around to the point and fling it at the net, and you know, <laughs> in, in my head I was hearing Garrett Pilon. The Bears win, and I was, I, you know, it was one of those things. I was like, "Yeah, it, it means a lot." I was getting goosebumps with everything you were saying. But yeah, that was I a had- special one. That was a special one for sure. That 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 moment, the ten to fifteen minutes after Corey, will stick out in my mind forever of how loud and how rabid that building was. And for fans that haven't been to Hershey, and no disrespect to any other market in the American Hockey League, but you have to get here and check it out. It is for a big game like that. It is crazy, and we have some unbelievable markets. I look at when Cleveland beat Hershey in the Calder Cup Finals. Have twenty thousand people there losing their minds. Like there's some special markets in our league, and, and Hershey's right near the top for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, to kind of cap this all off, it was a whirlwind summer for you, not only just because it was, you know, shortened by a number of months here, but one of the highlights was obviously the birth of your daughter, Easton Rosefish, who you got to have, you know, just some perfect timing to have her with the Calder Cup. How special was that to get to share that moment with your family, plus the addition of the new one? It was really cool. Like kudos to Hershey and Chamber Resorts and the Bears for bringing our families out with us. Uh, that's not cheap, and it was first class to to bring them out with us uh, for Game Six and Seven in Coachella. And there's a lot of people that counted the team out that that trip would never happen. And sure enough, there we are. And uh, to experience that with our families was amazing. I take a lot, a lot of guff from our coaches and from our players and from my wife too. If you watch the video of me raising the cup, which I'm so fortunate to be able to do that on the ice um, and you know, never even my wildest dreams imagine that'd be possible. I come out on the ice and it, timing was perfect where it was like my turn. They were looking for me to pass it to. And I just had finished my broadcast and my son he's four um it would have been three at the time uh beelines to me and uh out of nowhere comes running across the ice towards me and i see him and i pick him up and i give him a kiss and i chuck him down and go right to the calder cup (laughs) and everyone's like oh mad was your wife of you for that like look at you just ignoring your kid but I obviously had my eyes on the prize, so I took a lot of hard time for that. But to have my family, my wife there, with all the sacrifices she makes when I'm on the road um, was amazing. She's obviously the rock that keeps our family together. So to get to experience that with her and all the other wives and girlfriends and spouses and families and see the tears in their eyes, um, that's what really made it cool. Um, And then from that perspective, you know, to be a family of four now and have my little girl, uh, pretty awesome summer. Uh, luckily it was a happy healthy birth and i had my day with the cup in september so she was just uh, a couple weeks old to be able to put her in the calder cup and experience that with her and my folks came out from iowa and my wife's folks came out from iowa and my brother and sister were all here and it was kind of a family reunion and, and to meet the new family member and celebrate the cup so we had a, a party at a place with a nice pool and um, some drinks and food and took it around a few people that meant a lot to me to have them all there it was awesome so little girl's doing well now um, hopefully she'll be into hockey. My my four year old starting to get into hockey a little bit and starting to know the teams and knows the Bears' chance. So it's fun to be a family affair, but uh, definitely makes it difficult to go on the road more so than it was before. But uh, even more fun to come home after a long road trip. That's awesome, and it's great to even have that. You know, how could she not be into hockey? You'd be able to you know show her this picture of her in the Calder Cup when she's weeks <laughs> old. 
she doesn't have a choice. She's going to be around it regardless, as long as this game blesses me with being in it. So, um, you know, between her and my son, they're going to have to at least tolerate it. So, um, you know, luckily, luckily, I think, uh, you know, we'll get my little boy on skates again. It's been a while um, coming up here in the next year or so and see if he can hack it out there. I hope he got more athletic ability than I did. Absolutely. That's awesome. I look forward to it. But Zach, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate having you on here and uh, best of luck to you this year with calling the bears and hope selfishly. I'm hoping it's another long, long run here in the spring. Thanks guys. Appreciate you having me. This is always fun. You guys do a great job and uh, looking forward to a nice long run. And hopefully we can do this again a little bit later in the season. All right, and a big thank you to Zach for joining us here on the show. Always great to get a different perspective. You know, guys, we have a lot of players that, you know, join our show, but it's always incredibly different when you get to have an announcer on there because there's a whole different perspective. And that's what's so fantastic about having those guys on. And it's not only that, but it's like a whole different vibe when you get the play-by-play guys on they're a little bit more open i think than some of the players are uh well of course they're much more comfortable talking where some of the players might be a little bit more shy you know with the play-by-play guys you're going to get just the personality you're going to get the stories and zach tells them like nobody else yeah he's awesome so we'll move on to Xander's segment, which I believe is going to be talking about the Springfield Thunderbirds. I got to talk about my team. I mean, you talk about the Bears, Hershey. Let me start over. Jeez, I can't talk tonight. I mean, I got to talk about my team. Corey, you talk about the Bears. I got to talk about the Thunderbirds. They are one team. I, I don't know if this record is completely accurate. I didn't look through all of the transaction records for every team this year, but I know that the Thunderbirds have not had a single call-up this season to the Blues. I, I don't know if that's a product of the Blues having too much depth or if that's just they've wanted to keep their core together and they've kind of stuck it to the Blues. Or But the fact that their team is mostly who they had on day one with a few Carolina players coming down it it just blows my mind you don't see that very often these days in the ahl this is unbelievable i i don't like i'm gonna just for receipts i'm bringing up if you're on youtube look at your screen right now the transactions okay you have the whole slew of everyone getting at it at the start of the season and we have four move four moves since then. A loan to Orlando in the ECHL. Okay, sorry, we had one. Dylan Coughlin got recalled um by Carolina. So that doesn't well, like technically count. Then, you know, he was loaned back and then Will Cranley got sent down to the ECHL. Uh, this is just this is unbelievable, but good for them. I mean, what a way to solidify some uh, chemistry there. Well, I mean, so on the D- Dylan Coughlin note, sure, he got called up by Carolina, but he didn't play. No one's been called up to the NHL and actually played and then made an impact with the team to say, eh, maybe you should stay up with us. 
It's, I'm just looking at this and I am just blown away. I would love to know what this is like. As someone who is also a fan of teams in the leagues, I would love to know what this feeling is like, knowing that your roster is this stable. Maybe, maybe that'll be my next story. The other question you have to ask is, did we just jinx it by mentioning it? Because, I mean, that kind of <laughs> happened early on with a couple of the things we talked about before. I mean, I think it was like the first or second week that we had the podcast that uh, yeah. we mentioned a couple of things. And like immediately, like there was one like the next day or maybe even the same day where it all got busted. So if the Blues get a bunch of injuries and they have to call up a bunch of players and by the way, they should call up Nathan Walker if they get a chance, but I'm a little bit biased, yeah, but um, just a little. Yeah, exactly. But you know, if that starts to happen, I think that if the Thunderbirds catch wind of this, they're going to be coming for you, Xander. Uh, then it's my funeral, I guess. So just for, uh, t- <laughs> just to illustrate this, this is the team I cover Cleveland. Yeah, this it almost takes up the entire screen the amount of moves they've made so far to start. It's yeah. I just want to okay, just for the heck of it, somebody name a team. I want to look just randomly. Texas Stars. Texas Stars. Okay, cool. Because We're I know to... Dallas has had a good season, so let's just put it out there for fun. There's isn't bad. Theirs actually looks very similar to what Springfield does. You have an ECHL loan, recall from that. You have Chase Weecroft loaned from Dallas, and the rest are ECHLs. So that, yeah, that looks very similar. I'm, let's look at Tucson. Ah, this looks more like what I'm used to in the American (laughs) Hockey League. Tucson Roadrunners did not let me down. Um, This looks like a lot of paper moves to me, though. Yes, it does. But this is what I'm used to. Still, Springfield, I'm jealous. I mean, Dallas did have some people... It was, yeah, it was a loan from Dallas, and then they probably got added back to Dallas. I, they may be the other team that doesn't have anybody called up. I don't know. Hmm. We met our match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I just am just sitting here, just randomly going through. It's like, oh, if you won that, really got hit. Oh, the uh, Ontario Rain this season. Already has three pages of transactions. Yeesh. Yikes. <laughs> and the season and I'm not complaining anymore. <laughs> I know I'm not complaint. either. And the season this started is... a month ago. Holy crap. Uh huh. Yeah, it's uh, again, some of these look like just paper moves because uh, you have. Alex LaFerriere going up and down a lot. Jared Anderson Dolan going up and down a lot. Um, so I don't know how many of these are just truly paper moves or cap uh, shenanigans or whatever. But still three pages. Uh, I'm, three pages and we're a month and three days into the season. Have fun, everyone. 
<laughs> it's a little little impressive. One other thing to note with you know St. Louis Springfield is that St. Louis kind of struggled to start the season, right, Xander? Like, I mean, it wasn't you know all sunshine and rainbows to start off. I mean, they've been hot recently. I think if I remember what I saw on Twitter correctly, is that they you know their last win was eight to two, and there's not really too much you want to tweak after an eight to two win type of thing, but. You know, there's some there's some doubt there for a little bit where, you know, they they might look at a guy like Adam Gaudet and say, this guy's scoring goals. Let's let's get him up here type of thing. Yeah, I thought they were definitely going to say, all right, let's get him up here and maybe scratch a few guys for a few games. But it just hasn't turned out that way. I mean, maybe the fact that they've played more games and they're a little more tired, maybe made them question it. But I don't know. So right now, Springfield is actually third in the Atlantic. I'm happy to say that uh, all the teams represented here by writers in the Calder's Calling uh, podcast, Hershey, Hartford, and Springfield are the top three in the Atlantic. Um, but they are currently 7-6-1-0, good for 15 points, a 5-3-6 save percentage. Uh, in terms of goal differential, 43-4, 40 against. They are 6-3-1-0 in their past 10, so definitely a wild turnaround there. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, got over those early struggles in a big way, which you, you love to see from a team that has so much firepower like Springfield does, where they have the, you know that top line's been fantastic, and it seems like more guys are kind of carrying the mail there a little bit too, which is you know always the great challenge at the AHL level is you know you you'll usually have that kind of you know that big line, and then you'll need some supporting cast, and you know it's always kind of a question is like when will the supporting cast kind of come through, and for you know Springfield, which has had a very successful you know, but short partnership with St. Louis. It's It's been paying off in spades the last few seasons. Well, what they've really struggled with in the past that I've found as well is their goaltending sticking consistent. Because, of course, they had Joel Hofer last year in the last few years, and he was bouncing up and down between St. Louis and Springfield. And you never knew, okay, is he going to start tomorrow? Or is he going to be up in St. Louis tomorrow? This year they have Malcolm Subban, and they have Adam Sharenko, who conceivably are probably going to be there barring any horrible injury to anybody up in St. Louis. And even then I could see St. Louis trading for a goalie before they even go to the AHL. That's a fair point too. Well, that is going to do it for this, uh, this week's edition of the Calder's Calling podcast. As we mentioned before, you can find us anywhere that you find podcasts, especially on YouTube is where you get to see all the lovely video of our lovely faces. So until next week, we will see you next time. Have a great week.